Well, good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit of a deeper dive into our weekend services, uh, kind of the content that we talk about. I'm Ben. I'm Gary. Nice to see you. And we are super glad and excited that you're joining with us once again. This is actually episode 21 of our podcast. Wow. So uh, I'm going to completely throw our youth pastor (laughs) under the bus. Um, He's the one that told me that it's episode 21, and he said it's now legally old enough to drink. And that was our youth pastor (laughs) saying that. So you might want to be careful if you send your youth to our church, because who knows what he's teaching. I'm just kidding. I love Christian. Um, That was just a weird comment. Um, So we're excited that you're with us, uh, just having a little bit of fun here, bantering a bit. But uh, we do want to let you know, kind of every week, I feel like this is the one thing that I bring to your attention. We want to talk to you about Cal. It's our Connect on Wednesday. It's basically our midweek offering where we offer a meal that starts from 530 and goes till about 6 o'clock. And then 615, we offer various classes. We've got Celebrate Recovery. We've got stuff for children. We've got stuff for youth. Um, we've got classes for adults. There's a, a bunch of different offerings that we have weekly that we would love for you to be a part of. Yeah. Uh, the reason why we call it Cal Connect on Wednesday is because that's actually what we want it to be. It's a place where you can kind of come in, whether you know a lot of people or you don't know anybody. It's a place where you can find belonging, you, fi- you can find connection. That's right. And you can kind of continue to grow in your walk with Christ and in your spiritual journey. So, so And we actually have a class called Engage, which yeah. actually meets in the cafe. And so if you're new and you don't know anybody yet, yeah. Just come and join in with that. They help you get sort of acclimated to everything. So yeah. really good stuff. That's kind of the easiest like beginner's class. Like you don't have yeah. to have read the homework or done anything. You know, some of these classes do have homework, but this one is just show up as you are not knowing anything and you'll be loved and it'll be an awesome place for you That's to jump right. in. That's so right. this week we are having pulled pork. So we're excited okay. for pulled pork. We're going <laughs> to give it a whirl and see how that goes. So uh, we're glad that you're with us today. We do want to jump into the content of what we talked about this past Sunday. Um, so this past Sunday, we were on, uh, I want to call it, it's the second week of the Acts series, but even more than that, before the Acts series, we were talking about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit kind of blended into yes, this that's Acts right. That's right. series. So the second week of, of the book of Acts, and really what we were focusing on was Acts chapter 10. Correct. And so I want I want you to give us a recap of that, just kind of what we talked about this week. Okay. Um, I do want to say that this this coming Sunday, we'll be finishing up this Acts series, and we, we did it a little bit out of order. I'll be preaching this Sunday, but that'll be Acts 9. But this past week, we covered Acts 10, and then we're going to be kind of going back to, to Acts 9, Saul's conversion, and talking through that. But yeah, can you give us kind of a recap sure, of what I'd we talked about? Sure, I'd be glad to. So it's interesting, Sir Cornelius, who is a centurion, so he's actually a Roman citizen, um, one of the elite in the Roman army. And so he ends up getting this visitation from an angel that says to him that, um, you know, God has heard his plea for help, that God is attentive to Cornelius, and and Cornelius is a God-fearer. And so he's invited then to um, reach out and ask Peter, who is one of the apostles, and Peter's Jewish, um, to come and, you know, actually to his house and share the gospel with them. But the interesting thing about this is that there's these big divisions between, um, you know, the Romans right. and also the Jews, um, th- basically the Gentiles and the Jews. And so 
that's going to play out into chapter 10, even into chapter 11, and then even later where Paul actually has to call Peter aside and say, hey, come on, you know, you're showing partiality to the Jews, but you're not eating with the Gentiles. What's that that about? So it's an ongoing battle in this early church to actually say everybody's welcome, regardless of your background, your brokenness, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that was brand new for the believers. Like So in in 10, and that's even part of this vision that I'd like to talk through it and go through and get through. But um, one of the things that what did have an emphasis from this past weekend is kind of the idea of outreach, like that evangelism focus. And um, just kind of looking at my notes, some of the things that you had said, um, one thing that I think is important to talk talk about, you said that God's intention um, is to walk with his people who could be blessed and to be a blessing to others. Right, right. I, I don't know if there's, I don't really feel like I have a question in that, but I just felt like that was a good and an important statement. I guess, what do you mean by that? So God yeah. wants us to be blessed, but also be a blessing to others. Right. How do we live that out? So that's actually comes in the call from Abraham and Sarah, which is actually in Genesis 11 and 12. And God basically says, you know, I want to be, uh, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. Um, but then specifically says, because I want to bless you, but I want you to be a blessing to right. all other people. So it's interesting. Um, this is actually the fulfillment of that prophecy, like yeah. that that whole statement from God to Abraham and Sarah, because now all of a sudden we get to Acts chapter 10 and the Gentiles are becoming a part of the church. They never would have been allowed to before. In fact, there's all these customs and different kinds of um, prejudices and stereotypes that kept the Jews and the Gentiles separated. Right. Now all of a sudden they're all coming together as part of the church together. So it's right. a really a different story in that sense. Yeah, and it's it's pretty cool as you just look at the story. And I'm even thinking of Acts as a whole. Like those first, mm-hmm. I think it's seven, eight chapters are really kind of talking about how the, the growth of the church and seeing some some crazy things like the the stoning of Stephen, the first yes, church yes. martyr. And then you get to Acts 9. And, and obviously I'm doing a lot of study. So you're maybe privy, privy to some of the information that you'll hear this coming weekend. But you get to Acts 9 and there's this crazy awesome event that happens in in Paul's life but yeah, he's known yeah. as Saul at that time he goes from Saul to Paul and then we see this vision of uh, that Peter has and also this this interaction that he has with Cornelius and I want to get into that um, but y- one of the things that's important to really point out and understand and this is kind of the transition because what you see is that Acts 9 is this conversion and then what you see in most of Acts is then it kind of follows Paul and his ministry yes but Paul was specifically called and this is part of the vision that Peter sees Paul was specifically called to the Gentiles. Yes, that's correct. And that's so correct. what is, I guess, what does that mean as we're looking at, maybe if, you know, if you've gone to church, you're familiar with the term Gentile, maybe you're not, you're like, what is a Gentile? Yeah. I've been told I'm a Gentile. Like what, how does that look, I guess, before this moment and then maybe after this moment of of Paul receiving this vision? And then I do want to talk about that vision that he sees. Yeah, so I think it's it's interesting because, there had been so many stereotypes and so much separation between the Jews and the Gentiles. Yeah. And actually, Paul, even though he's Jewish, yeah. you know, because he's Jewish, um, he actually becomes the apostle to the Gentiles. Right. Peter, interestingly enough, who also is Jewish, becomes more of the apostles to the Jews. So mm-hmm. he actually, Peter actually gets set up in Rome, you know, doing all this stuff with um, sort of the Jewish believers. But there was a sense in which Paul really sensed, you know, God was saying, hey, you're to go to the Gentiles, which is really interesting because, again, 
you know, part of what you're dealing with is the nuances here in, and the fact that, um, you know, Jews and Gentiles never had anything to do together before. Yeah. And there's sort of a falling out, um, you know, and, that and happens. And Gentiles was just anybody that wasn't a Jew? Anybody who wasn't okay. a Jew, yeah. Okay. And they referred to Gentiles oftentimes as dogs, and we'll, we can get into that. But part of the reason they did that was because um, in the marketplace in particular, Jews had certain dietary restrictions that right. nobody else had. And so the Jews would not eat pork. And the, the, the slang of dogs was that a Gentile, like a dog, will eat anything. Like mm. they don't have any dietary restrictions. So one of the things that's happening here is that um, God's actually taking down all of those right. former stereotypes saying, oh, no, no, it's not so much what you're restricted from doing. The, what's right. going to really call you out as the church is what you now are going to do, what you're going to embrace rather than what you're not doing anymore. And, and I think that's an interesting thing for us to think about, because sometimes we think about being a Christian as being somebody who doesn't do certain things. Mm. Like we might say the old phrase is, um, you know, I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't go with girls that do. That was sort of the, the old saying I always heard. And um, but the reality is that it's not so much about what we don't do, um, actually being called and actually the whole word for holy means that there are certain things we embrace, like mm. that we're actually living in a different kind of way. And so um, so this whole movement is going to be known by what they're actually willing to do rather than what they don't do anymore. Okay, so as I'm kind of listening, uh, so that term dog, was that just if, uh, referring to dietary or was that, was there a hatred there? Yeah, there was or, a hatred, yeah. Uh, you know, a, uh, I'm trying to think of the, what the right word is, but just a disdain maybe for anybody, like almost, Yeah. I don't know if I can compare them to like, you know, Nazi Germany, but a, a group of people going, hey, because we're this, right, we're right, superior right, right. than you are. Yeah, I think there there definitely was that. Yeah. So, um, so the problem is, is that um, the Jews sort of let the whole we're the chosen people thing yeah. get get away from them. Right, I mean, like right. they they actually started living into that in ways that weren't was never God's intention. I mean, right. so God's intention from the very beginning was that they would be blessed so they could be a blessing. Right, right. But now all of a sudden they're like, no, we're being blessed because we're the people of God and you're not. Yeah. Okay. And so that became a really dividing point. So so yeah, I mean, one of the rabbis' prayers was just it's really sort of hateful. It's like you know. God, I, God of the universe, I thank you that you didn't create me um, a, a slave, a female, or a Gentile. And, yeah. they, and they would pray that's, this that's really every day. really arrogant prayer. It like, really is. Wow. It's like, okay, yeah. buddy. Um, yeah, and then Paul would come back later um, in Galatians, and he'd sort of correct that. He'd say, yeah. well, you know, for those of us that are in Christ, we are no longer male or female, slave or free, right, right. Jew or Gentile, but we're actually all one. So, right. so what's happening is this is the beginning of this movement where now everybody is a part of the church. And yeah. regardless of your background, which is really what God's intention was from the very beginning back in Genesis. Yeah, so I think that that's important is that this is kind of the turning point if you will, from Jews being the elect, the elite, only they get into right, the kingdom right, of God right, right, right. to the point where God is going, no, my, this is for all people that would choose me and accept me and love yeah, me. Yeah, that's right. And so I think it's it's pretty critical moments here in Acts 9 and 10. And again, I'm clumping in 9 because I'm starting to study <laughs> for it. So so 9 is important to me it's as we good. look at no, it. But specifically, we were, in, we were in chapter 10. So so here's this vision that uh, Peter falls asleep, and this is kind of where we started. And I do want to get to Cornelius, but yeah. uh, but Peter has this vision of basically it's a sheet with mm -hmm. all kinds of animals yeah. in it, and it's raised or excuse me, it's lowered down to him. Mm -hmm. And in this dream or in this vision, 
God tells him to rise, kill, and eat. Yeah, right? that's correct. And now I want to make sure that I understand this correctly, and hopefully it's understood well. The dietary restrictions of a Jew in that time, and even now, I mean, there's still tons of dietary restrictions right. for Jews that they would not be able to eat certain types of animals. That's correct. Uh, I don't know. Can you give a little bit more insight into yeah, that? Yeah, sure. So it's interesting. It actually says that there's reptiles there. They would never yeah. have eaten reptiles. Yeah, and, like an um, alligator or a lizard. Like, <laughs> yeah. hey, I mean, I'm thinking buddy. snakes and lizards Ugh. or, you know, it's like the kind of stuff you usually like, no, I'm not interested in that. Um, but also pork. So yeah. in the marketplace, pork was actually the least expensive meat there mm. was. Um, so most people, when they went to the market, they'd buy pork because um, it was, you know, you could get it for a fair price. Yeah. But here they never ate that. And so there were also dietary restrictions that said that you would not eat any cloven foot animal. And so a pig had a cloven foot. Right. And so they didn't eat that. And of course, when you think about... Um, unless, and we just looked this up the other day, but it was unless it chewed cud. Right. It has to so chew cud. So a cow yeah. was okay. Yeah, that's right. But a pig yeah. was not. That's right. And also it has a hoof. Like yeah. the cow has a hoof. All these different animals have hoofs. So, you know, it's just interesting. And so, so anyway, yeah, I think that, um, you know, they're in the midst of all this. And so the vision comes, yeah. God says, um, you know, take, kill, and eat. And Peter right away says, oh, I can't do that, Lord. Right, like, right. I've never eaten anything that's unclean. Right. And God says, don't call anything that I've made unclean. And so that's the lesson for Peter. And this yeah. happens three times. And so it's sort of like, hey, Peter, get the point, get the point, get the point. Yeah. Right. And I, I personally love this because this is where bacon is allowed into the Jewish <laughs> culture. Like, thank you, Jesus. I'm a Gentile, so I guess I could have always ate that. But this is where God said it's okay to eat bacon. That's so right. That's this right. Is, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is a great day. And lizards, too. So yeah, no, I, I, just I don't want any lizards. <laughs> Fried lizard? No, I'll pass. Fried bacon? You got me. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So here it is. And I feel like we could probably... There's so much history there of, of the Levitical law. Yes, and that's true. That you could really dive into. And I, I don't I, I think that maybe would be a distraction from where we're actually going. So I don't want to spend a ton of time, but there's so much there in the Levitical law. And really it was when that was established, God was setting apart his people that they yes, would be that's different correct. That's correct. from the other nations around them. Yeah. And so I think that that was important that God was just saying, hey, you're different. You're set apart. You're sanctified. You're holy. Yeah. And because of that, here's the Levitical law, some things that you didn't do. Because if you get into that Levitical law, there's some weird laws about like mold in the house and mold yeah. Yeah. on your belt. First of all, I don't know how you get mold on your belt. Right. But there's some weird and strange laws, even that. But all of that was to set apart the nation of Israel as right. different and right. belonging to God. And so... So this now, gets, fast it gets forward, yeah. It gets a little complicated because see, there's certain Levitical laws that we still adhere to, right. and there's others that we don't. Right. So, right. Um, I mean, I think that's an interesting thing. Like for example, there's a lot in Leviticus about, um, you know, certain relationships you shouldn't have, and right. it speaks right. specifically against um, homosexuality, some other things like Incest, that. Incest, yeah. Incest, right. right? Yeah. So, and it talks about, you know, yeah, it has all these different things. So it gets sort of tricky because you're like, okay, so if this is okay, is that okay? Or like another piece is that one of the um, 
the dietary laws actually right. said you shouldn't eat anything. Um, you know, you couldn't eat shellfish. So, right, right. you know, is it bad to eat lobster? Is it right. bad to eat crabs? You know, well, again, all that stuff's been undone, but some of these really major pieces are still right. there. Like, right. so God always is concerned mostly, I think, about our relationships, right, right. like that our relationships are healthy. And so that's why the Bible says over and over, you know, that marriage is between a man and a woman, right. you know, all that kind of thing. And so, so again, you know, sometimes people have tried to mess with those passages and say, well, if that it's not good anymore, then this isn't good anymore right, either. Right. But it's not really that. That's not the case. And even, I don't remember the correct terms, but I know that there was a moral law. There was yeah. a, uh, and there was two other terms, right? Yeah. So the moral law, that didn't really go away. But right. these other. That's right. The dietary laws. The dietary law. And yeah. even even part of those laws was like how to wash and how to clean. Like, that's correct. That That's even for the benefit of God's people. Like, yeah. Yeah. We don't argue yeah. today like, no, we shouldn't wash our hands. Right. Like, right. In right. fact, Research and study, especially now with the coronavirus kind of as as prevalent as it is and the fear that that's invoking, is yeah. that we're going, hey, you really should clean. Yeah. In fact, I've heard some of the things like, I don't know if it was the Black Plague or one of these plagues that kind of devastated Europe. Mostly the Jewish mm-hmm. population was un, unaffected yeah, that's right. that's because right. they were following the Jewish, yeah. the I mean, the Levitical law of, of sanitary and washing and cleansing. So yeah. it's... Yeah. That's where that expression "godly uh, cleanliness" is next to godliness. Right. That is not in the Bible. Okay, so don't say that that's don't, in the Bible. Don't Google it. Yeah. No, 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 no. But that was where that expression came from. Yeah, is that yeah. the Black Plague mostly missed the Jewish populations because they were following the yeah. Levitical law. So that's yeah. how that expression came about. So, and there's also other evidence, like I, yeah. um, you know, so you know, prep, preparing foods and things like that. Um, it was true that yeah. in that day and age, you, you know, if you didn't prepare, you couldn't, if you ate, you know, um, you know, uh, lobster or things like that, it wasn't always healthy for you to do that. Right. Same thing with, with pork. Pork was not, they usually couldn't prepare it in a way that you didn't get sick from it. Mm. So there's other pieces in that, I think, that are part of God's protection yeah. um, for the Hebrew people at that point. So anyway, so we're kind of going back to Peter in this vision. So he sees all these yeah. unclean animals being lowered in the sheet, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he goes, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, I don't do that. Or, I've never done that. Yeah. Yeah. And then so three times this happens. Right. So I guess part of the question as I was listening uh, to the message was going, was that really about the dietary restrictions or was that more about the the people or was it both? Like, yeah. And yeah, I guess yeah. part of that is, and this is a legitimate question that I, I have. Sometimes I ask questions more for discussion. But then what what I guess I don't know is that so from this point on, not only do they start to receive Gentiles, but does does that mean these these Jews that accepted Christ as Messiah, does that mean that they started to eat pork and they started to eat some of these these, you know, shellfish or like I guess I'm just curious that because we don't see that specifically yeah, talked about yeah. in the scripture, but but that's I mean, as well, if you're we, looking at it literally, yeah. that's what So we do we do see we do see an example of that later. Okay. Um, it actually comes in Romans where Paul is actually addressing the early mm, church and right. talking about how um, some people were okay eating food that had been sacrificed to idols and right. then other people were not okay. And basically he said, you know, if you're if you have the weaker brother or sister 
you know, just, you know, go along with what mm, they're comfortable with. And so, so I do think, you know, right. there is still that tension. And then again, you know, Paul's going to come to Peter later and say, hey, Peter, you know, hate to call you out on this, but you've been showing partiality to the Jews mm. and you're really sort of snubbing the Gentiles. Mm. You know, we're all one family. We need to get this act together. And so that's another good word to Peter. So, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's a good point. I wasn't thinking of that. So, so here's Peter's having this vision. And yeah, then, yeah. And then, so there's this, what at least one commentary, one commentary I read says there's this twin vision. So Peter's having this vision. Yeah. But the day before that, and I want to talk about Cornelius, yeah. here is this Gentile uh, soldier, right? Like yeah. this is, this is his profession. He's yeah. made kind of a career out of it. He has. Um, he's maybe retired at this point because he's got a piece of property. Like, and I, I don't know. So you had kind of broken down what it was, what it kind of looked like for the Roman empire. Yes. For, for this soldier, what a centurion actually was. Yeah. Uh, so, and his name was Cornelius. Like That's we right. Have that That's through, right. Through scripture. So can you maybe talk to that again? Like, what is that breakdown? What would a soldier look like? What were some of the benefits um, yeah, sure. Sure. I'd yeah. be glad to. So um, it's interesting because, and I actually entitled this double vision because okay. um, this sermon, because I think what's happening is you've got this angel. So there's a messenger from God, which yeah. is interesting. Angel means messenger. Yeah. Comes to Cornelius, says, hey, you know, we've, uh, God has heard your prayers and has mm. noticed your alms and, you know, you're, you're seeking after God. So an angel appears to Cornelius. And then on the other hand, the Holy Spirit, which is not the angel, but the Holy Spirit actually sort of perks up Peter's, mm. um, you know, spirit and says, hey, I'm going to be sending this guy to you. And, and then what happens is Peter, as he's watching the sheet come down, um, all of a sudden there's a knock on his door. I mean, it's right. like really cool because God's actually like movie, right? Like yeah, you're, you're yeah. kind of looking at it like, whoa, whoa, whoa that's what's going on? Yeah, no, it's Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> and so God's actually orchestrating all this stuff, which is really cool. And so, so a centurion you know, was basically a Roman citizen. He had to be right. a Roman citizen. They usually were from a, a family that was really, really glad they were going to be a soldier. Like, I mean, this was a soldier's life. And they actually lived in forts at some point. Um, they um, they even um, had access to health care. Um, they would buy their own weapons, but then they'd get reimbursed by the Roman government for their weapons. The main thing about them, though, was that they were in charge of making sure um, that the causes of Rome were enforced. Right, right. So that's the big separation yeah. here because, yeah. boy, you know, because what's happening now is Cornelius is going to be totally faithful to the emperor. Right, right. Peter is totally faithful to Jesus. This is where it's going to be hard for them to connect. Yeah. And then the other part of that is that for a Jew, um, a Jew would never like actually be in the house with a Gentile. So right. this is another major problem. In fact, um, it was pretty much known in that time that whoever you ate with, you became family with. Mm. So Peter, um, you know, would never have gone to a Gentile's house. Um, but this vision said, no, this is where you're supposed to go. And that's the only reason that he goes to Cornelius's house. Yeah. So, so I just think that that's such a pivotal like yeah. point, because not only is he you know, Cornelius, he's a soldier, like he's a Roman. Yeah. He's a Gentile. Like, yeah, uh, the Jews would consider the Rome, like the Roman Empire, the enemy. Like That's right. Absolutely. Three, yeah. 300 yeah. BC, Alexander the Great kind of sweeps over the known world, yep. conquers yep. everything. Yep. 
And now the Jews are like, this is the government that they have to follow. But they're going, no, 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 we no, follow yeah, God, not, yeah, yeah. not Roman. And the Romans are going, no, you yeah. follow us and you'll do this too. In fact, most of the prophets and um, sort of Messiah people that had come, you know, before Jesus came, yeah. they actually were coming to talk about how to overthrow Rome. So, yeah. so there's a sense in the Jewish community, like God's going to take care of Rome, put Rome in its place, yeah. going to exalt the Jews. And that's what they were looking for. They yeah. were looking. So when Jesus actually comes and he gives his life, they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be the conqueror who's that's coming. Right. Now, he is the conqueror. They just don't get it yet. Yeah. You know? It's just not in this earthly kingdom. Exactly. That he did yeah. that. He established his heavenly kingdom where he is that's right. ruling and reigning still that there could never be a kingdom that would yeah. overcome. But That's right. Yeah. But yeah, that that idea of a, this this warrior king would show up and liberate them. So so here we have Peter who's you know, being told that he's going to go to a Gentile's house, but right, not even right, just a right. Gentile, but a warrior who his his yeah. loyalty is to Rome. Um, like that had to be almost disconcerting. I think like, so. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Like, how do you just kind of wrap your mind around like, well, no, Lord. And maybe that's that's the whole sheet coming down yep. two or three that's times. Right. Like, no, I've never done that. Yeah. And just this what I would say is this desire to please and honor God by living according to the Levitical law. Right. And now God is kind of changing yep, things. Yep, yep. And so there's this tension there yeah, that is yeah. pretty awesome to see. <laughs> but there's also on the Cornelius side, there's this eagerness. Yeah, that's right. That's like right. You, you yeah. worded it. You said that they were both hungry. Like Cornelius was yeah. hungry for the spiritual things that God, like he had been praying. Like you explained him as kind of a loyal, a dedicated man, like right, somebody that right. would be a great neighbor. Like, yeah. And he was turned towards God. Like he was wanting the things of God, his prayers, his petitions. And then you also said that the hunger that Peter experienced was, was a physical lunch. hunger. Yeah. yeah, right. Like, So I just think it's kind of this beautiful contrast of two opposite worlds where Cornelius is super excited. And and this is the day before Peter has this vision. So, so there's this messenger that comes to Cornelius and says, hey, there's this guy. He'll explain it. Yeah. And so he sends, the centurion sends a couple of his guys to go yeah, get Peter. Yeah. Peter has this vision right as these guys show up, and then Peter goes with them, <laughs> and Cornelius has assembled his entire household. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, wh- and I, so I guess it just points to the significance of of the excitement of him going, yeah. hey, yeah. entire household, listen up. This guy's going to come, and he's going to talk to us. That's right. That's right. And And also, I think them knowing that God was setting this up. I mean, because, you know, here's an angel that comes to Cornelius and then here's the Holy Spirit telling Peter, get up and go. And if the vision hadn't come, Peter wouldn't have gone. Right. Right, So God's sort of like, okay, Peter, do you get it? Oh, okay, Peter, do you get it now? Okay, Peter, do you get it now? And finally, Peter's like, knock, knock, knock. Oh, I guess it's here. Right. And so, you know, because Peter never would have gone, never. I mean, and in in reality, like um, part of what I was studying, too, was that th- in a way, Cornelius never really should have become a part of the church. I mean, right. because, again, he was faithful to Rome. Right. There's all these different things that actually made him more of an outsider. Yeah. But he was invited in because God saw his faithfulness and right. his love right. and his care. So I think that's a, a good thing for us to think about, too, that somehow in the midst of our lives, God actually knows more about us than we know about ourselves. And, and God 
understands our motives and our reasons for doing things and um, and is with us in ways that maybe we don't even understand yet. Yeah. I, one of the things that you pointed out that I think is so good, uh, and you'll probably end up seeing it again this weekend if you join us, is that in this double vision or this, this twin vision where you see both a messenger for Cornelius and then the Holy Spirit prompting Peter— right. What what is undeniable in that is that there's there's a grand yeah. orchestrator, right? Like God is at work, and that was that was the point that you were making is that God is clearly at work. And then just to give a, I guess a little bit of a preview this Sunday as we talk about Paul's conversion, both a man named Ananias yeah. and Paul have yeah. this vision, and it's the they see the same thing or the the dream or the message message is the same, and it's when you see that it's God is clearly. Yeah. work like yeah. you know and and i think that that's important for us as believers to really wrap our minds around and i, I think different circumstances between paul and and uh, ananias and yeah. i want to talk to that i don't want to kind of give that away now but but then also for peter and cornelius man it's clear that god is moving and at work yeah. but yeah you've got to be able to trust that yeah. god is moving yeah so i think you know one of the things i said and this is what ben will say too that you know god's always working behind the scenes of our yeah. lives and i think that actually should give us a sense of trust and um, a sense of security because god's very aware of what's going on working with us helping us to be who god's calling us to be also empowering us making things clear to us leading the way i mean i think all that's really huge for yeah. us to realize yeah can take some, we can trust God in that. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like this is a great discussion. I'm kind of looking at my notes because <laughs> I, I don't think I'm following my notes at all. Well, let me tell you, I can say it, a little but... bit more about, so there are about 120,000 of yeah, these yeah, Roman yeah. soldiers, you know, that. that were in the, um, the whole Roman providence province. And, you know, so it's, it's interesting that, I mean, you know, Rome. So one of the things Rome did was they were famous. In fact, we had talked about this a few weeks ago about the Pax Romana, which was actually the Roman peace. And what happened was just before, um, you know, the new sort of emperors came into power. Rome had actually built roads and all kinds right. of things, which the apostles took full advantage of that because right. they used those to spread the gospel. But you could dispatch the Roman army from any place in Rome and they could get there really quick right, and right. take care of any threat there was. So that was their job. So a centurion was basically in charge of between 80 and 100 different um troops and that's where the it's the century part of it you know um they say a lot of commentaries that was probably more like 80 um but they were they were well respected um regarded well in the community um they um they were usually you know had the full head of you know they they stood out they yeah. didn't look like the ordinary soldier they were actually paid better than most of the soldiers as well and then like you were saying at the end of their career they were actually awarded a piece of property and they often went and lived with other veterans who had mm -hmm. also been centurions. So they became communities together. And, but the whole idea was, boy, if there's an outbreak, like if, if there's something going on and oftentimes it included the Jewish people. Right. And so they would just dispatch that, that guard, go out, take care of that, you know, beat down whatever it was. And it was brutal. I mean, yeah. it was brutal stuff. So yeah. I read that, uh, I, uh, hopefully I'm getting this correct, I think it was from um, the book The Resurre Resurrection Factor, um, that one Roman guard could um, like defend a three or four foot radius from, yeah, for up yeah. to 16 people yeah, or something like yeah, that. Like, yeah. 
That's pretty crazy when so, you think about it. So the Romans were the ones who created the short sword. Yeah. So it was for close hand combat, and they were they were lethal. I mean, yeah. this we're talking. This is this is a. I mean, you know, think about Jesus at the crucifixion right. and the guards that are there that are mocking him, making fun of him, putting a th- crown of thorns on him. Right, right. This was a brutal group. Like they they were used to seeing people crucified and they right. they didn't mind that at all. I mean, right. like there's no way I could ever be at that. But they're you know, they were hardened. They become desensitized. Yeah, to it totally. Yeah. I mean, it was really it was brutal. So. Yeah. So that 120,000 soldiers, is that all that Rome had, or that was just kind of what was stationed in That was what was stationed Rome? within Rome itself, okay. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, they had they had others that they could they could send out. But I think, again, you know, in terms of how—if you were to go into Rome, that's yeah. how many would okay. be there, yeah. Yeah, I just—I I did think that that was interesting, and, and you even had a breakdown. I think I took good notes. It was 120,000 soldiers into 25 legions, yeah. 5,000 person uh or five thousand people per legion um or about 400 squads and then uh six centuries um of about 80 to 100 soldiers so i I just i thought it was interesting because i think that you know for me i kind of understand how our military works there's there's bases and there's families and you might live on base you might not like i get an understanding of that but it's just interesting to hear how the romans did it and the romans I mean, they had conquered the world, right? Yeah, that's like they, right. That's absolutely right. They were one right. of the yeah. greatest, yeah. greatest nations with, even as you just talked about, with yeah. the road systems that they created. Oh, yeah. And just such, such huge advances right. that they had. So it's just interesting. I mean, they even that. had, they even had aqueducts. They yeah, had um, right. flushing toilets. I mean, it was like, they were way, way, way ahead of the time. Right. So. Right. One of the things that you had mentioned, uh, and I'm jumping all over our notes, but I feel like it's a good conversation. Um you said Cornelius's conversion, um, and you kind of alluded to. You said, but maybe it was even more about the change for Peter. Like, yeah, uh, could you explain that a little bit more? And I think we probably already have, but just what do you mean by that? Yeah. So, um, a lot of times people will say this is the conversion of Cornelius. You yeah. know, and and it is. It is definitely like. He's now going to trust Jesus as Lord, which right. means he's taking the emperor out of the Lord seat, right. putting Jesus in the Lord seat. Um, but I think a lot of ways, this is actually more about Peter's transformation. And again, what's interesting about Peter is it's going to take him a few years to actually get this right. Yeah. But the reality is that this is the biggest thing. So when Peter literally goes to Cornelius' Cornelius's house, walks in, and eats with him. Yeah. It's the same thing as saying, I am now family with you. So this is this is huge. I mean, for this Jewish, staunch Jewish guy who won't, you know, eat anything that's not clean, all of a sudden now he's going to the house of this Gentile dog, right? The dog who ate anything. And now he's gonna become family with him. Yeah. And and that's really what the church is, right? I mean, the right. church is this really interesting conglomerate of people from all different backgrounds, all different makeups, all different nationalities. And yet the one thing we have in common is we all believe in Jesus Christ right, and right. we're following him as Lord and Savior. Right. I mean, that's a cool deal, I think. So, yeah. yeah. It's pretty awesome how there is, as exactly what you're saying, is that there's this one common denominator. Yeah, right? that's like, right. Is that Christ is Lord. That's right. And then there is no Jew, there is no yeah. Gentile, there's no slave, there's no free. Like that really is what binds us as believers, like that the fact that Christ is our Savior, is yeah. our Lord and our Savior. So that's right, yeah. I think it's pretty cool as you see that as 
as kind of looking at, at the notes, or I should say looking at scripture, uh, I think verse 44, and we read through all of Acts chapter 10, but right. 44, I love, like it's it, continuing on. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Yeah. And yeah. so here's maybe Peter, who's maybe still struggling with this idea. Maybe this is speculation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still struggling. Sure, like, well, sure. Does God actually care about the <laughs> Gentiles? Like, yeah. I'm obedient, but I don't know. But as he's speaking, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. It says, verse 45, the, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were as astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. Like, even yeah. as Luke is writing this, he's like, even on the Gentiles. Yeah, I, yeah, that's I don't right. know. That's Maybe right. that's no, it's true. It's true. That. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So they yeah. ordered that the believers... Um, uh, that the believers in the name of Jesus Christ, and they asked Peter to stay with them a few days. I just think that yeah. it's so incredible. Maybe Peter's wrestling with this idea of, of okay, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He's going, no, 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 no. I can't do that. But he he's obedient. And yeah, he that's goes, right. That's right. And then all of a sudden, as he's speaking, the Holy Spirit fills the room like, God's going to do what he's yeah. going to do. Yeah, that's right. Like God is is clearly setting this up. He's orchestrating this. He's telling Cornelius to go find Peter. And he's telling Peter, hey, rise, kill and eat and go with him. And they go and Peter's like, okay, I'll go with, but I don't know what's going to happen. And then the Holy Spirit moves and he falls. And that's why this is still kind of, we've retitled it the Acts, but we're still kind of talking about the Holy Spirit in this and through this because he was fully integrated in the birth and the the growth and the expansion of the church. He's still active today that he is still working in his church and doing what he has purposed in his heart or desired. Like he has purpose to do is still happening and the Holy Spirit falls. And I feel like Peter's just sitting on the front row going, woo. (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, I guess we should baptize them with water. They're, they're as in. Well. They're in. I think that's it. That's the sign, right? So yeah. the sign that this is actually all of God is that they begin to then speak in tongues and they, you know, all these things happen. And so, you know, Peter just says, wow, they got the Holy Spirit just like we did. Yeah. So again, this is the big family, right? Yeah. It's, you know, we're all the same. God's in the midst of it. I mean, that's a very cool deal. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, and I, I'm, probably running out of, of questions to ask. But one of the things that you talked about was you you kind of asked people to raise a hand. Um, oh, yeah. And it sounded like on Saturday you had you tried to get people to stand, but that didn't work. That didn't work, no. <laughs> and I understand because we're trying, we're getting people they can self-select. Yeah. So it was a little bit manipulative on my part, but the hand worked okay. So, so. so you were asking people like yeah. how they came yeah. to know Christ. And what was, uh, maybe for those that weren't there or maybe that they missed it, but what was right. the point of that? So the interesting thing is that we have all come to believe in Christ somehow, right? right. I mean, like somehow we've done that and they've done lots of studies. So this is actually, um, this is the household principle. So right. um, in fact, that's part of what was in the sermon was we're talking about what's called oikos, yeah. which is the word, the Greek word for household. So when um, Cornelius, when Peter comes, Cornelius has assembled his whole household to hear the message. And so what happens is they all become believers, which is part of how we actually get our sense of infant baptism. So, Mm. you know, we don't, um, we, we obviously, 
understand, you know, full immersion and an adult wanting to get baptized. But the tradition and the um, biblical precedent behind infant baptism actually comes out of these household mm -hmm. passages where there's somebody, the whole household becomes Christian. And again, part of it is the sense that um, they're not all, you know, older adults. There, right, there are right. kids there as well. And so, um, so again, in our nature as a church here, we talk about covenanting together. Um, we ask parents, you know, to, um, you know, is this based on your faith in Jesus Christ? And so we're, we're inviting the children in also and sort of claiming beforehand God's promise to be with them. We still wait until they make their own profession of faith, which right. is really huge. Like, so infant baptism is not like a, you're in and that's the end of it. It's right. actually a, a way of challenging parents to walk with their kids, help them grow spiritually. So eventually they'll make their own profession of faith. That's right, huge right. as well. So, so anyway, it's, it's an interesting household thing that's going on there. And, um, and in the midst of that, then that's how we get our sense of the household. So one of the things about that is, um, you know, what is your household like? And I, I think for a lot of us, we have that, like, yeah. you know, I have brothers, sisters that I still pray for all the time because they don't know Christ yet. And, right. or we have extended family members, or sometimes we actually are involved with somebody like the Oikos also may have been somebody that you just see a lot. Like maybe it's somebody you see at the coffee shop all the yeah. time and you've, you've wanted to sort of share Christ with them, but you haven't had a chance to do that. You wonder where they are as a Christian, all that yeah. kind of thing. You know, so again, this is sort of God's call to us to be uh, mindful of those who God has placed us strategically right. in relationship with so that we can actually be reaching out to them with God's love. And, you know, I love, um, I, this was attributed to Francis of Assisi, but since then they've said, nah, probably he didn't say it. But, you know, there's a saying like, um, you know, um, preach the gospel. And if, if you have to use words, mm -hmm. and I love that because basically it's saying, you know, in the nature, in the, in the sense that we love people, that we serve them, what we are doing is we're proclaiming Christ. And that begins to open the door then for those deeper conversations about who God is and, and about the fact that God matters and I matters to you. And I, I think, you know, for me, the saying I come back to all the time is that, that all people matter to God, mm. you know, Every single person alive matters to God, no matter what their background is, their baggage has been, all that kind of stuff. We all matter to God. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm excited. I'm thinking through. I'm just excited for this coming week. But I, as we're kind of wrapping up that thought, uh, you had said seventy-five to ninety percent of people who come to Christ come through personal invitation. Yeah, that's right. So, and so yeah. one of the things that he he did was, hey, if you came to know Christ from, yeah. A cold call, like somebody called, or an invitation to church. Or, yep, yep. And I, I think that that's probably accurate. Seventy-five to ninety percent yeah. come through yeah. personal invitation because there's something that happens when you see Christ in somebody, right? Yeah, that's right. See that that's they, right. they live differently, and you're there's there's something attractive in that. Yeah, going, yeah. And what makes that person stand apart? Yeah. So my um, my background is that you know my last name's Arntasoni. So, um, so Arnell, my wife, her maiden name was Arn. And, um, so the whole Arn family, um, on her side of the family were actually church growth people and, uh, based in Southern California through Fuller Seminary, um, her dad, her brother taught all kinds of classes about church growth. And so they did all the research on this. So everything mm. I was using the other day actually comes out of their research. Oh, cool. And so the research is that 75 to 90% of all people that become Christians become Christians because of an extended family member. Mm. 
And so again, it's just a nice visual. And here's what's interesting. I, I always thought, well, it's the Billy Graham Crusades or, right, you know, right. people go to a crusade and, and yes, it does happen there. But on Sunday and Saturday, you know, when I'm asking people to raise their hands, it's like there's one person that became a Christian at a crusade. Right. But then all of a sudden, all the rest of the hands go up when you talk about, right, you know, the right. extended family. And so I think that's a really important thing for us to remember. And one of the challenges, I think, is um, how are we actually praying for our extended family members that we really do want to see become Christian. You know, how do we, how do we pray for them, encourage them? And then when are those times? I, I think part of the reason this works in the extended family is because we have a chance to model Christ to them. Right, right. They can actually see that we've changed, like we're different. Right. And then also it gives us a lot of opportunities for conversation. Right, see, right. I think we're too used to like, Oh, here's the four spiritual laws. Okay. Are you <laughs> going to become a Christian? But Actually, a life lived in front of somebody yeah. is a much stronger witness. So I think that's that's our challenge, yeah, you know. You, and and even then, I'm sorry. Even no, then, no, it's like good. it's even like okay. So I blew that one. I'm sorry. Like yeah. I think it's okay to just be apologetic and say, hey, yeah, I was out of order there, out of line. But you know, but actually living an honest life in front of people right, right. is really important. So I, I was just gonna. You said that evangelism is one beggar telling oh, yeah, tell yeah. another where to find food. Yeah, and I thought that's good because it's it's real life. It's shared experience. It's not. Yeah. Let me tell you these four spiritual truths because you've memorized them and you're really good at repeating them. Right. But it's just going. Hey, here's what God has done in my life. Yeah, that's and right. It's, it's that real, authentic faith that people are going. Man, there there is something different yeah. here. So. Yeah. Um, I and think, the good news about that is that there is a food that satisfies. I mean, I yeah, think that's right. it. So, right. you know, when you actually do um, accept Christ and become a Christian, you know, all of a sudden now all those things that you thought were important before aren't. Right. And God begins to actually um, transform your life. Yeah. So, good. Yeah. I, I think that that's all that I have on my notes. It's pretty okay. amazing to watch how the Holy Spirit continue to move, how he built up his church, how he moves today. And I'm excited that I get to kind of wrap up this week with the Acts series, and then we'll we'll be moving on to uh, yeah. uh, an Easter series. And, and yeah. right now we're we're planning on having Christian Hessling, our youth pastor, who I made fun of at the beginning of this. Um, he's actually going to be sharing that <laughs> that first one. We're excited for that. Yeah. Great to have him there. Yeah. Uh, and great for you to be able to hear him. He's a great communicator. Yeah, that's right. Great guy. I love him to death. I'm a little partial because I knew him as an eighth grader, but that's, that's another. <laughs> actually, I knew him as a sixth grader. That's wow. how old I am. Wow. But wow. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, excited for the next few weeks. Is there anything that maybe you didn't get to or any additional thoughts that you would want to share now before we kind of wrap up and, and move on? Well, I guess I would just summarize by saying, you know, one of the things that we often don't think about is that um, we are the church already, right? right? So we're wherever we go, we're the church. That sort of goes back a couple of weeks ago. But but the reality is God actually strategically puts us in places, I think, so that we can actually reach out to people with Christ's love. And mm. so um, the video, the video at the end of the sermon right. was sort of talking about tic-tac-toe. And, you know, if you put your home sort of in the middle of the tic-tac-toe squares, you know, who are your neighbors? And, mm. um, and it's not really saying, you know, go over there and, dr and drop a track in their, you know, mailbox or anything, but it's actually, how do we build relationships with people right. where we can actually then let them know that we know God cares about them. Right, right. And so I think that's really important for us to think about. And actually I had one of our members say, Hey, you know, after that sermon, I reached out to my neighbor who, you know, and just said, Hey, how about we have lunch together? And they said, sure, that'd be great. And, yeah, you know, awesome. so I think again, this is, this is the nature of things like, um, so 
the church is guilty of what I would call sort of scalps on the belt. Like, you yeah. know, like we go along and like, are you a Christian? Okay, good. You know, or, or like people will say, um, you know, they'll try to trick people into saying they're a Christian or making a profession of faith in Jesus. And that's really not what it's about. It's really right. about um, letting people know that God loves them deeply. God, uh, Christ gave his life for them. Um, they're invited into this and that, that this is a community where we're learning. We're yeah. growing together. Like, And we don't know everything yet, but we're trying to follow Jesus in the best way that we know how to do that. And so, so again, I think just realizing that you know, Jesus said, um, you know, there's a city on a hill, right? The right. light. Uh, I mean, we're a light in our neighborhoods. Um, we're we're a place where we can actually tell people, hey, you're important. Um, we can um, help in our neighborhoods, serve our neighbors. All these things point to the reality of who Christ is mm-hmm. and the fact that we're following him. So so I would just encourage you to continue thinking about that, because I think that's yeah. really important as well. And, you know, has God actually set your house as a kind of lighthouse in the midst of yeah. your neighborhood? Yeah. And that video that we watched, you can watch that as part of the message. If you go to clcfamily.church slash media, you just go to this past week's service. Right. Um, I want to get the date right. That was the... 7th and 8th. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So 7th and 8th, March 7th and 8th, that is where that video is. Or you might even be able to Google search tic-tac-toe evangelism. Right, right, right. Um, yes. And that might show up that way as well. So Yeah. Yeah, so I want to say thank you guys for joining us. Yeah. We, we didn't actually have any questions to go over other than the questions that I provided. So just do want to kind of remind you that if you're interested and in, you can ask a question about this week's message or anything really uh, in particular, like if you've got a question about something, would love to be, be able to wrestle through that. Next week, it'll be Christian and myself on here um, because I'll be preaching the message and he'll kind of be interviewing some questions. Um, but we'd love to have any questions that you have. You can email us at overtime at clcfamily.church. Um, thank you for all of you that are listening on Facebook or on YouTube Live. Really appreciate that. Really thankful that you guys are there. Or for those of you that are listening to to us from podcast you can uh, find us on spotify you can find us on itunes um we're a lot of different places um we just appreciate you guys being here you can find us if you are watching live and you're kind of curious how do i find you on spotify or on itunes all you got to do is search clcfamily.church and you'll find us so clcfamily.church we should be the only ones there, at least the last time I searched. We're the only CLC family dot church. So all right. we'll love to see you guys this week as we kind of wrap up the Acts series and we look at Acts chapter 9. So I guess thank you guys for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thanks. And, Great and to we'll, see you. We'll be seeing you around. All right. Take care.